Jesus. Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning, the Old Testament reading, Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Jonah, when you hear the name Jonah, what do you think of? Well, generally, we think of a big fish, maybe a whale. And then the debate goes on. Come on, pastor. I know it's in the Bible, but did that really happen? Come on. Is there a fish so big that he could swallow up a human being? Well, there are many historical accounts of just that very thing happening. So, of course, it's possible. But the debate about whether it's possible or not detracts us from what's really going on in Jonah. People look at the book of Jonah and they say that it is one of the most beautiful short stories ever written. Literature loves it. Four little chapters, 48 verses. Most of our Bibles, it fits on about a page and a half. It's a marvelous short story, but that too misses the point of what Jonah is all about. Jesus teaches us, Matthew 12, he says, just as, the, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days. Who would have dreamt that the book of Jonah is about Jesus? It's about Jesus in more ways than we possibly realize. Jonah gets a call from God. Not, not a phone call, but he gets a call from God like a, like a pastor gets a call to serve a congregation. And Jonah's call is to go to Nineveh, that great city, as we read in our text. Oh, it was great, all right. Great in trade, great in commerce, great in numbers, great in wickedness, great in sin. That's why the city of Nineveh had come up to God. Their wickedness and their sin was an offense and a stench in the nostrils of God. So God calls Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach the word of God. Pretty simple, right? But Jonah doesn't go. In fact, Jonah goes just the opposite direction. He runs away. There's no other way to say it. He's a coward. He's a coward. He's afraid for his own skin. He's to go to Nineveh and preach the word of God against them. 
You know what happens to preachers that preach the Word of God, especially the Word of the law? Clearly, sometimes, many times, it does not end well. Jonah's not a doofus. He knows this. So he runs away. Now, the children of Israel, the Hebrews, are a proud people. But there is one thing that they don't like. They don't like the water. They don't like boats. They don't like the sea. They are, like many Nebraskans, landlubbers. So Jonah is so desperate to run away from God, and that's what he's doing. He's running away from the presence of the Lord. He goes, and our text basically says he pays the fare and gets on the ship. In reality, he commissions the whole ship. He pays for it. That's how desperate he is to flee from God. He runs away from the presence of God. Now, again, Jonah is a God-fearing man. He knows that God fills all things. There's no place you can run and hide from God. He runs away from the presence of God, which means he runs away from where God promises to dwell. He runs away from the Word of God. In a sense, he runs away from church. He'll do anything. He'll go anywhere so he doesn't have to hear the Word of God. He runs away. He runs away from his vocation. He runs away from God. He runs away from the Word. It's easy to be harsh and critical of Jonah, isn't it? He got a direct word from God. God told him where to go. God told him he would be with him. Jonah skedaddles. It's hard to admit, but there's a, a little Jonah, maybe even a lot of Jonah in each one of us. We know what God's Word says. We pick and choose the parts that we like or that don't cut too deep. And yet when push comes to shove, there are many times we would just as soon flee from the presence of God than to hear what He has to say or to answer His call and live in the vocation that he has given us. So, Jonah gets on the boat. He's running away from God. 
all is well. Well, all is not well. Not only had the sin of Nineveh come up to God, but the sin of Jonah had come up to God as well. I love this particular reading, the ESV of Jonah 1, because you get to hear that word, tempestuous. Isn't that a glorious word? Tempestuous. I don't know of too many people out in the boat today that would say, oh, I think the wind is coming up. Things are getting a bit tempestuous. God raised up the winds and the waves. And the sailors feared for their life. Where was Jonah? Jonah had gone even on the ship as far away as he could from the presence of the Lord. In the recesses, the bowels of the ship, Jonah kicks up his feet and goes to sleep. He's oblivious. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about his own life. He doesn't care about the lives of the sailors. All he wants to do is sleep. Selfish Jonah. Fast asleep. The sailors do everything they can. Everything they think they can. They cry out to their gods, but their gods are not God. And so nothing happens. They use common sense. They lighten the load of the ship, throwing the cargo overboard and their livelihood perhaps with it. But it doesn't help. Finally, in one last act of desperation, they go and they find Jonah. They wake him up. How can you sleep? We're about to die. Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? New Testament words of the disciples to Jesus. Then they begin to question Jonah. Who are you? Where do you come from? What's your country? Jonah doesn't answer all their questions. He gives them as little information as he possibly can. But he does say, I'm a Hebrew. And I worship the God who created the heavens and the earth and the sea, which is now tempestuous. God called Jonah to preach to Nineveh. And now Jonah is preaching to the pagan sailors. Imagine. Imagine that. Jonah is giving a sermon. The very thing God called him to do that he ran away from. And imagine the power of God's word. Through this little sermon of Jonah, the pagan sailors hear and believe. 
Your God created the world. That's a God we want. So, they continued their human efforts. They rode and they rode and they rode. But they got nowhere. Jonah, what should we do? Jonah says, I'm the culprit. I'm the guilty party. Throw me overboard. And you'll be saved. Now we don't really know what was in Jonah's mind when he said that. We don't know if this was one final act of selfish desperation by Jonah. I don't want to see this. Pitch me overboard. We don't know if Jonah actually thought a, a human sacrifice would somehow appease the one true God. But for whatever reason, the sailors demonstrated that they valued life more than Jonah did. Jonah was ready to die. Throw me overboard. Kill me. The sailors said no. We want no part of that. We do not want your blood, innocent blood, on our hands. They continued their efforts. But to no avail. Finally, these formerly pagan, now God-fearing sailors cried out, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea stopped raging. It was no longer tempestuous. Can you imagine the reaction of the sailors at that point in time? More than likely, they never saw Jonah again. They didn't know the end of the story like we do. But the sailors, having seen the might and the power of God, they believed and they worshipped. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. By the power of God's word, through a selfish, death-desiring Jonah, God brought these men, these pagans, to faith. We'll see them in heaven one day. 
miracle of miracles. But what about Jonah? Jonah got what he wanted, didn't he? He's pitched overboard. Bloop, bloop, bloop. How long can I hold my breath? Thinks Jonah. I can't hold out much longer. The end is about here. My friends, God does not want Jonah to die. God wants Jonah to preach. Our God is not a God of death. Our God is a God of life. And God provides a great fish to swallow up Jonah and swim all the way to Nineveh. My friends, our God desires life. Physical life, gift from Him. Eternal life, the gift that we can get only by hearing the good news of the gospel and by believing it, by fearing a great fear. My friends, Jonah never confesses in our text or anywhere in the short book of Jonah. He never confesses his sin. Jonah would rather die than repent. My friends, how often that's us. We would rather die than repent of our wickedness. We would rather die than listen to the Word of God. We would rather die than change our habits. Or stop our favorite sin. Jonah ran from his vocation. How often don't we run from our vocations? God gives us hands, ears, eyes, and a brain. He gives us the ability to think and to work. And for the young ones here, that work is school. And what do we do? We're lazy. We don't use the gifts that God has given us. We look for ways to steal five minutes here and an hour here. Sin? Don't talk to me about sin. I've got it coming. For many of us, God has given us a spouse. And yet how often don't our thoughts or our eyes or our actions run from the vocation God has given us into sin, into the gutter.
We run from the presence of God because we don't want to hear or be reminded of our sin. You can plug in any vocation, my friends. That of being a citizen, that of being a neighbor, that of being a church member. A grandparent as well as a parent or a child. All of these callings, all of these vocations are gifts from God. God's Word speaks clearly to us. And yet how often we run. We run from the presence of God and we would rather die figuratively, if not literally, than repent. My friends, as Christians, God has taught us that all life is precious and a gift from Him. A part of our vocation as Christians is to confess the faith. And there are certain subjects, for whatever reason, there are certain subjects where we are tongue-tied and lip-locked. And I can think of no greater subject than the sanctity of human life. We stand by while our civic and political leaders continue to worship at the altar of Moloch, the God who does desire child sacrifice. We stand by idly as this horror goes on all around us. We become numb. How many of us think or pray for the people at the butcher shop less than a mile away from us? Or is it out of sight, out of mind? You know, it was many, many years ago now that our political leaders in the Supreme Court said that abortion in every state is now legal. The numbers as of today, since that horrific decision was made, 63,459,781 babies killed in abortion. That's just here in America. More than 63 million. And what do we do? And what do we say? If right now we took a five second, five seconds, five-second moment of silence for every one of these babies killed, 
We would be silent for over 10 years. But that's really our problem, isn't it? We have been silent. Silent when we could have spoken. And when we speak, are we truly confessing God's Word? My friends, today, as we are reminded once again of the miraculous deliverance of Jonah, our God is a God of life, not a God of death. He desires all people to believe and come to faith, faith in Jesus. Just as Jonah was three days in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, was three days in the belly of the earth. His body crucified on Calvary's cross, laid in a new tomb. Three days. God is dead. But Jesus doesn't stay dead, does he? No. Three days later, Jesus, who was dead, is now alive. His forgiveness, life, and salvation is for all. This is the message that we proclaim today. God has given your preachers a call to proclaim God's Word. He has given you a call in the waters of holy baptism to hear the Word of God, to believe the Word of God, and to joyfully confess the Word of God. For all of the times that we have ran away from God or tried to hide from His presence, His Word, Jesus Christ has bled and died. For all of the times we have sinned against our vocation, husband, wife, parent, child, church member, citizen, for all of our sins, a thought word indeed, Jesus Christ, crucified and risen for you. My friends, we don't need to run. We don't need to hide. Our God comes to us. He knows our hurts. He knows our joys. He knows our personal struggles. He knows our sin. And He loves us anyway. He loves us with an everlasting love. My friends, this Word is for you today. Die to your sin. Repent. Hear and believe the good news. God has given you life. God has given you new life in Christ. And God promises to sustain you in that life. Today and forevermore. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts 
our minds, our lips, and our lives. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Having heard the word of God, we are bold now as confessors to confess that word. This morning we confess the words of the Apostles' Creed. Please stand as you are able. <clears throat> 